Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with the speedy Gonzalez of returning guests here to <laughs> once again swim the tumultuous waters of the Haskin Cat. And it's not really not. It's a pretty calm, just friendly show. <laughs> Let's welcome back Jim Meskim. And Jim, how are you? I'm great, Scott. Thanks so much for having me back. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Uh, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind for you since you've been on the show last time, which was only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you innocently put out a video like you do. You you uh, Pretty much daily, you're putting out content, uh, whether even if it's just a celebrity fortune cookie or a clip of a performance, you're, you're uploading a lot. But all of a sudden, this one in five days got five million hits. What the hell? Yeah, it's up uh, on TikTok, uh, seven million plus now. I, who understands it? I don't know, but I'm grateful. It's nice. I've met a lot of nice people. I did uh, George W. Bush, and I did my Robin Williams, and I did Tommy Lee Jones, I believe, Patrick Stewart, and uh, one other that I can't remember at the moment. Uh, Maybe it's Matthew McConaughey. I don't remember, but uh, <laughs> hardly matters right now. So I, I, I love how seamlessly you do that. I mean, it just, it's just, <laughs> it's so natural, it seems, like, from my perspective. And, it's and very we unnatural, about, actually. But... <laughs> well, we talked about how bad I am at this last time, but uh, it, it's just it's just such a smooth transition for you because you're not only just changing your voice, you're taking on that persona just in, you know, two seconds here, two seconds there. It, it, no matter how much you practice that, that blows my mind. Yeah, thank you. It's a lot of practice. That's all it is, really. And and decision. That's the sp- it's the speed of decision is very fast. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Uh, there, uh, so I'll have the link to this TikTok video in the show notes. Mm. I do not have TikTok. I have been fighting myself so hard, saying I need to get on there, but I don't want to be one of those people that just posts me, you know, lip syncing to someone else's voice or doing a crazy dance video because I do not have moves. Uh, so once I get on it, I will watch the video, but I'll put it in there because most of you guys are probably on TikTok or have access to it. So uh, you can enjoy that. Uh, but I, I did watch a recent uh, Celebrity Fortune Cookie that you did. It just came out mm. a couple days ago. And it was hilarious because you were trying to find a different voice to do. So instead of just spinning the wheel, you're just moving it a notch at a time. <laughs> but making yeah, it you know. like you're trying to spin it. I just, I, I, it was such yeah. a great bet. I loved it. Well, yeah, I mean... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the wheel, the wheel is a device, you know, And but I, at the end of the day, I, I get to do whoever I want. It's my show. Uh, I've been doing it now for, I think, four years every day, spinning the wheel wow. to one degree or another. Yeah, I think, you know, I would be kicked out of Vegas, but in my own studio, it works just fine. And uh, reading a fortune in that celebrity's voice. And I change the celebrities out, as you know, all the time, mm-hmm. putting new ones in. Sometimes I don't. You know, there's a lot of people that I add that I hadn't even thought about doing a week or two before. But um, I don't know for some reason they came into my into my universe, and I realized, oh, I, I could put that on the wheel, and and then people make suggestions, and I I, I don't know how many names I've I've done. Uh, it would be interesting tally, but it's probably probably hundred or so, maybe different celebrities, maybe more. Uh, it's a lot of fun to do, and and it's it as you know, having seen a lot of these things, probably that almost every fortune has to be edited to turn it into a fortune because. <laughs> Most fortune cookie fortunes are are not fortunes at all. They're little comments or a little joke or, you know, they're like, oh, wait a minute, I was supposed to get a fortune. That's the point. It's a fortune cookie. It's not a comment cookie. Yeah. When I was growing up, they were like almost inspirational phrases like this good thing will happen to you. And it wasn't it wasn't a specific. It was very generic to anyone who might get it. And nowadays it seems like they're like lottery numbers or just <laughs> phrases that are completely nonsensical to what a fortune would be. And I'm just glad I get the cookie. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I never eat the cookies because by the time I get to them, we've had them in the box for months. So yeah, I, not very tasty. I don't, don't want to chip a tooth. Now, it's interesting. For some reason, when you said you did George Bush, the first word that came into my mind, and I don't know why, was dated. And it's weird to me that I would think that because you could do Johnny Carson, you can do Ed McMahon, you know, Rich Little was was just doing Johnny Carson when I saw him in December. And it didn't feel out of place to me. But for some reason, when you said George Bush, I feel like we're so far away from him being in any kind of limelight at all. Yeah. I almost had to think about what he sounded like for a second. Is it is that just me? Wow. You know, no, I think it's true. I mean, he's been out of the uh out of the limelight. Uh, you know, they light those limes on fire to make a light <laughs> in the Amazon. Uh the great great thing about it, George W. Bush is you can always kind of throw him into any conversation and he's always inappropriate and says something kind of marginal. So but yeah, certain ones are are uh, very current, certain ones have to be retired, certain ones are too, uh, you know, uh, niche. Uh there's a lot of actors that I really love that I don't really perform very often because I don't think people really recognize them. You know, we 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 remember the great days of of Rich Little for example and when when there were three channels and uh, there were uh, you know maybe 15 or 16 celebrities that everybody knew so well, you know, uh, from watching in movies and, and TV shows over and over again, uh, because it just was a smaller field. Nowadays, I mean, you see when people get together, they say, well, what are you watching? And they go, oh, I'm watching season four of, uh, you know, the conical head. I'm like, oh, the conical head? What is that? What platform is that on? Oh, I don't know. I think it's on NetFace or something. You know, there's so many of them that we can't possibly keep track. So the people that make it to the top, you know, your your Russell Crowe's, your uh, Matthew McConaughey's, or, uh, Steve Carell's, uh, these people. Um, um, who's the other guy? Michael Shannon is a great example of a guy who's, yeah. who's risen to the top within the last few years. And rightly so, you know, they, they, they get a lot of esteem and they've really pushed through a lot of distractions to get there. So it, it, you have to kind of find those guys and then hopefully – they have a remarkable voice in some way, maybe a little bit of an accent or a peculiarity or, you know, something that people would actually recognize. Uh, so it, it, it's an interesting game. It's a fun game. Yeah. And it's it's a good point. I mean, cutting just cutting through all the muck that's out there because content is so easy for anyone to provide that we've got so much of it. That makes it even more amazing when you think about what your video has done, because you reach so many people so quickly and just I mean, you were like one of those uh, ships that breaks through the ice going through the Antarctic. It just cut right through everything and says you're going to see this no matter how hard you try not to. Yeah, I I don't understand it, but I'm very grateful. I just wish, you know what I wish? I like on YouTube, uh, I made I've made a lot of friends on YouTube. And when I say friends, I mean people that communicate with me through the comments section on a daily basis, who, whose names I recognize. I've never met many of them, but sometimes I put together like a Zoom hang and we actually chat, you know. With TikTok, you know, you know, they're so small. The little icons are so tiny. And then they've always made up some weird name with, you know, which is a half nickname, half identifying number, and then something off the periodic table. (laughs) And you're like, I I know there's a person here, but I I don't know. It's going to be a little bit of work to develop a relationship in the same way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the uh, anonymous factor that we have these days hiding behind screen names is it's I, I would imagine for a celebrity that's a little bit disconcerting because you really don't know who you're talking to. You would like to think uh, everybody's got a, a good agenda and just is, you know, a fan of yours and whatever. But uh, you, you really just don't know who, who you're talking to. No, you, you really don't. And uh, yeah, and it's it's a very interesting phenomenon. But uh, but it's great to reach a lot of people. So eventually, you know, people come up to me if they see me in public and, and they recognize me uh, in three dimensions. They say, hey, you know, I follow you on, on uh, Facebook. I go oh, or, or on Instagram. Oh, oh, what what is your what is your handle? And they tell me and I go, I, I think I've seen that go by. <laughs> yeah, it's, they're, it's, they're like, it's I don't pleasant. know, my, my cat just walked across the keyboard and I saved whatever yeah. they, you know, uh, it almost <laughs> looks like that sometimes. Yes. Uh, you have uh, you have a project coming up that's going to be released. Uh, I think you said November twenty first that mm-hmm. uh, you get to play yet another uh, celebrity. This one is someone that I'm very familiar with, uh, probably more than you were ten years ago. Uh, Phil Donahue, you're playing Phil. Uh, I grew up watching Phil on his talk show, and uh, wow, what a what a chance to to really dig into somebody to to play them on screen and do do something with a little bit more than uh, just, you know, your random picking them to do an impression of. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a nice uh, honor. I auditioned here at my house and I, you know, set everything up and got myself a nice white hair piece and put on an old suit (laughs) and uh, got the job. So it was uh, a very, very fun to do it. I I like to portray people that I can study, you know, Uh, and when you're, playing when you've you know been hired to play somebody who actually existed there's all kinds of ways to do research now of course the best way is to actually talk to them but uh, I, I couldn't do that but i could watch a lot of phil and i hadn't as as you mentioned i hadn't watched phil in his heyday so i studied him a lot on youtube and kind of got an idea of how he is and he has a presentational kind of voice and a very expansive sort of character and uh you know gosh i just looked at the way he moved and the way he wore his glasses and sort of pulled that off and it's going to be a fun episode where the chippendales dancers are basically introduced to america this is a factual story apparently of the chippendales dancers how it started who started it uh how they promoted themselves and at a certain point they went on phil donahue so uh, they needed someone to portray him and, and i got the job very cool i'm so happy for you that's such a great opportunity uh, I don't remember that episode. I, I, I mean, I didn't watch every show that he did because I was a kid and I was in school too. But uh, the one episode I remember him doing was when uh, the drummer from Kiss, Peter Chris, came on because somebody had been impersonating him and uh, was was saying that he was destitute and trying to get money. And Phil found him and brought him on the show and then brought Peter Chris out. It was it was one of those episodes where you're like this is a show I want to see more often because they really brought, because <laughs> back then in the eighties, this was before we really had that kind of uh, shock television, you know, Geraldo was around, but we didn't have a whole lot of that. So he was a really interesting host. I think very, very inventive for his time. Yeah. The more I watched him, the more I interested I got in how he ran his show. Gosh, you, you remind me of, of another guy around at that time, Morton Downey Jr. Remember him? Boy, he oh, was a piece yeah. of, yeah, uh, the between the cigarette smoking and the almost having a heart attack with every guest he brought on, he was an intense dude. <laughs> he was an intense dude. Didn't last long. The intense dudes flame out. 
well, someday, you know, someone will, some, someday someone will do a limited series, I'm sure, on, on Morton Johnny Jr. That'd I can't it. believe they haven't done that already. He was yeah. such an intense guy. I don't, I don't, he would be difficult to play without just feeling like all the time while you're trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drank a lot of coffee, smoked a lot of cigarettes on sta- on TV. You don't see that very much, except that, in reruns of Mad Men. <laughs> Isn't that weird to see now, though? Like you watch old clips of Carson and there's Sammy Davis Jr. smoking the, the cigar and oh, it just yeah. it seems so out of place. Now, if you go onto Netflix, smoking is actually a warning that they put on that. Hey, there's there's a scene oh, yeah. there's somebody smoking. It's like it's yeah. changed. So Be careful. Much. There's smoking. <laughs> and yeah, and it's right up there with like, you know, uh, mass murder. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's rape and violence, partial nudity and smoking. I'm like, yeah. wow. Yeah. What do you want to watch tonight, honey? Partial nudity? No, I think I'd like some strong language. Yeah, me too. Me too. Right. Yeah. I mean, and smoking, I mean, people, especially here in Vegas, we see that a lot. It's not an uncommon thing, but in a lot of areas, I guess it is kind of weird to see people like restaurants don't have smoking sections in a lot of places like they used to. No, no. In LA, it's, it's gone. It's just Mm -hmm. gone. Yeah. Yeah. I think with the pandemic too, a lot of people had the opportunity to just kind of get rid of that altogether. Uh, But anyway, the show is called... uh, (laughs) I want to make sure I get the title right. The show is called Welcome to Chippendales. Yes. And we don't know exactly when your uh, first episode will appear, but the show begins on the 21st. And that right. will air where at? Yeah. Uh, I think Hulu. Maybe uh, it's a Disney production. So maybe on like Disney Plus or something, but um, yeah. def- definitely on Hulu. That's an interesting but- choice for Disney. I know. I was I was just uh, the show Boy Meets World has a podcast out now called Pod Meets World. And I was just listening to one of their episodes where they were talking about Disney will actually go out and, and edit lines out of the show that they don't feel are appropriate for their network. So Boy, Chip, yeah, Chip and Dale's I, would be quite a stretch. Yeah, there is a whole there must be a whole apparatus of people going through old Disney content and and, you know, doing a little doing a little public relations work on it because I got hired one time to replace a voice of an actor in some old series. I don't recall uh, some series from the eighties and they, they, this actor had, you know, had some, uh, some kind of legal trouble, some police trouble at some point later in his career and to distance themselves from this actor, they had me come in and replace and I think he was playing a robot or something. I mean, you couldn't even see the guy, but uh, he, wow. and he was imitating someone else. So I was imitating who he was imitating, but he was no longer <laughs> in the show. It's like, all right. Yeah, I'm glad somebody got a job. That's great. I got a job out of it. Whoever found this thing got a job out of it. Jeez. And the poor the poor chap who fell afoul of the law, you know, he'll never know. So. Well, you know how it is these days. If, if they found out you did something, you said one thing in 1978 that was taken the wrong way, your career right. is over. I mean, it's That's just right. such a tumultuous I just hope, industry. I just hope nobody remembers those terrible things I said in first grade. I was so nasty <laughs> to some of the girls. I think we all were. <laughs> Very sorry, Kathy Fink, for whatever I said. I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. I wanted to ask you about an, another adventure you had. Uh, one of my favorite shows that, that I used to love watching. In fact, I think it's coming here uh, for a bit. Whose line is it anyway? You were a guest on that show. I I, I always found, you know, studying improv to be such an, an interesting term, but I really understand if it, tell me if I'm wrong. It's really the art of learning quick, quick thinking and quick reaction and being in that moment, uh, whatever you're thrown into because you don't have a script. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's a very beautiful, uh, beautiful way to create uh, 
theatrical moments and comedy. Um, I studied it in New York with a really great teacher uh, who's no longer alive named Tamara Wilcox. I performed with a group called Interplay for over a decade and with other groups as well. And um, what I like about it is that you can bring all your experience and intelligence and, and I don't know, just personal preferences into it, you know, and, and create on the spot. And the main thing that, that has to be taught uh, in improv to do it really properly. And when I say properly, I just mean effectively is uh, agreement. So you, you must be willing to agree with the other performer. And that is a very beautiful thing because if you really get good at agreement, you have a sweet life. <laughs> Disagreeable people are are that way because they don't agree. You know, they don't agree with you. You don't agree with them. It's a big, it's a big rhubarb. But uh, if you can learn to agree and comfortably agree, after a while you go, you know, it's not so hard. You can kind of say yes to things and accept things. And and you see that, you know, it, things go pretty well, at least on stage. And then in life too, a lot of times. So uh, I'm very grateful for that that experience I had. And I love to, to improvise today. I'm, I'm more comfortable really improvising than almost anything else I do. Wow. Uh, well, first, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, saying yes is a huge difference in the kind of life that you're going to have. Uh, you will miss out on so many things if you don't take chances and just, you know, go for things every once in a while. You know, I, I you would have never gotten this role as Phil Donahue if you hadn't gone for it and said, I'm just going to audition and whatever happens, happens. Exactly. Yeah. Many times like that. Sometimes I kind of go, eh, do I really want to do this? And I, you know, I, I sort of uh, turn it, things down. And, eh, it never works out well, you know, unless it's something that I can tell you, I do not want to do this <laughs> you know, and right. just say, draw the line. But if it's something I'm just sort of a little bit ambivalent about or I'm just not sure, and I maybe if I have a little bit of self-doubt, which is rare, but uh, when it happens, then you kind of go, well, I should push through. I should just do this. I did it the other day for a part that was like, you know what? I, I don't. If they offer me this part, I'm probably going to say no. But I'm going to do the audition because uh, you know, the odds are you're not going to get it anyway. But the casting director is going to see you. Maybe the producer sees you and maybe they go, boy, you're not, he's not right for this part, but but there's there's another part coming up that he'd be perfect for. Or look how he look how he worked at this. So we had there were four scenes he had to memorize, and he did it. And what a good guy, you know. So you make an impression. You you create your brand, uh, even if at the end of the day you don't necessarily get paid for it, you know, at that, on that one. But maybe you get paid the next time. I look at my career and, and most actors' careers being, you know, if you're auditioning for things, if you're not just fielding offers like a big celebrity, if you're auditioning for things, you are. Your job is to do little performances as often as you can during the week for free uh, to the best of your ability. And every now and then you're going to get paid for it. You're, they're going to say, you know what, that performance you did, we like that. We'd like you to do it again in front of a bunch of people in a camera. You know, all right, I'm happy to do it. And we want you to wear these clothes. Okay. <laughs> right. And that's, that's the job. Well, and I remember, you know, doing uh, as an audio engineer, working with bands that there would be seven or eight people in the audience. And I would say, and they, you know, they would get bummed or whatever. And I'd say, but you don't know who any of those people are. That's right. One of them could be working for a record company. One of them could be somebody that's hooked into a television show that might want one of your songs to, you know, to license. You always perform the best you can perform because you never know who's going to see it. That's That's a really smart way to go about it. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got that chance, too, because I, I think it's it's a great show. And boy, to, to work with different people, is it a little bit, uh, you know, the first time you work with a different group of people doing improv, is it a little bit nerve wracking or is it kind of comfortable? How does that work? 
in that particular case, it was it was tricky because everybody learned improv in a different place. Everybody seemed to, you know, uh, everyone's got different levels of of invention and and generosity, and and some people were very hard to work with, and and that didn't change. And other people were very easy to work with. Uh, there's an actor named Mike McShane, wonderful American actor who works in England quite a lot. And he was just um, fantastic to work with. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Stiles was very fantastic to work with. And there were a couple others that were really tricky to work with because they weren't, I don't think they really, uh, I don't think they were really trained in improv. You know, a lot of people think, well, improv is just going on stage and saying whatever. If you're an actor, you can improvise. It's like, well, not really. Uh, you could be like a, a, a clarinet player and never learn how to do jazz improv clarinet, you know, and it's the same with with acting. You you might have characters that you do very well, but the, the uh, hallmark of improv is being able to interact with the other actor. And as I said, that's based on agreement. And if you're not trained to agree, I, I promise you, most people are not hire, hardwired to agree. They're hardwired to disagree and defend themselves. And that has to be a little bit be trained out of them. There has to be a safe enough space where they feel like, all right, throw whatever you want at me and I'm going to agree with it. You know, if you say to me, I'm a bullfighter, I'm going to go, I sure am. And I'm going to tell you who you are now and we're going to create something. I'm not going to go, I'm not a bullfighter because the whole thing <laughs> falls apart. And yet I, I worked with people on whose line that were like that. It's, wow. it's like, well, uh, uh, Madam President, you know, I'm not the president. All right. What do you think we're doing? Yeah, I'll and, agree with you. I, I have seen outtakes of improv that that has gone that way. And you're right. It, it just stops the train in the tracks right there. Uh, you have to go with the flow. Wherever that flow is going, you have to be your part. You have to keep it going. But you have to just say, this is what I'm given. So I'm just going to take it further. And and you can't, if you do anything else, it just it just puts a dam in it and the water backs up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I came up with that metaphor. Yeah, it's it's true. Aquatic metaphor is very good. But the other thing, too, is that people are thinking of the clever thing that they should think up. And and then when they're doing that, of course, they're not listening to the other person who maybe has said something clever or or helpful or or, you know, is a big softball pitch for them. And uh, so you see that a lot with beginners where they're like trying to think of that. That, you know, that line that they thought of a week ago, you know, trying to find it and, and like, uh, forget it. There is you learn after a while, in my experience, you learn after a while that there is an infinity of opportunities, an infinity of possibilities. And there, you don't need to like hold on to these little ideas like like there's a scarcity. There's no scarcity. There's a gazillion good ideas. You're going to get your share. Everybody's got to get their share. And in the meantime, if you just agree and tell the truth. Uh, it's going to be funny anyway. Life is funny. <laughs> well, it, 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 you know, that's, I think if I'm getting this right, that is what the training is all about. It's learning how to just be spontaneous, just say it as you're thinking it to not really think about it, plan it, not, okay, what kind of comeback? I know where he's going. What's my comeback going to be to just, he's done. Now it's my turn to talk. And I just, this is what popped into my head. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the way and for better, or for worse. That's how I've approached it. And I, I've had an awful lot of fun. I, I like I like improv a lot. That's what it's all about, you know, because if you're having fun, the audience is going to enjoy it even more. Oh my Anybody God. can get up there and say something that that could be clever or witty, but people can tell when you're having fun and when you're not. 
And they can tell when you're spontaneous and inventing things. And there's a certain delight that an audience, not so much a television audience, but an in-person stage audience, Mm -hmm. they are just bewitched by it. And and when they, and I am too, when I see great improvisers, I'm just like, I'm enjoying it on several different levels. The content of what they said, I'm enjoying their interaction and how they're having a great time. And then I'm enjoying the fact that we're, wow, human beings can do this. It's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it really, that sounds like a wonderful experience. Uh, as I see our times uh, wrapping up already, it always goes so fast with you. Uh, <laughs> and I want to talk real quick about your course, but I have one last question for you because we were talking about this a little bit before we started taping. Um, I, I have always said that a, a good person as an actor could play the role of a good person or the role of an evil person, you know, or dark or you know non-friendly person, however you want to look at it. But a person who is not a good person in real life would be able to play a villain very well, but not easily play a nice person. What do you think? I don't remember talking about this before. Uh, well, it, I, it kind of went there with the Marty Cove conversation that we were having. Oh, That's okay. The Marty Cove. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Marty Cove, who's a great actor and a great person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I I do agree that. I, agree, I do agree with that. You know, people that this is sort of philosophical, but it's a philosophical topic. Uh, people that are not, are are not doing well and and are suffering and in pain of one kind or another. Let's call it psychic pain or personality pain or whatever you want to call it. You know, they're they're a bit scared. They're a bit uh, you know self protective. Their 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 perceptions are not as good as someone who is more comfortable. You know, in a space or with others. And, you know, they're they're going through something. Everybody that you have ever had problems with has been going through something, you know, and sometimes it's so deep that they don't even notice it. But maybe the rest of us do. So just if we just take it from a point of view of how perceptive is that person? Um, let's say like a person has been up for three days, right? Because they're working or because <laughs> they're under a great deal of stress. They're not at their best. You know, if you want to have a conversation with them, it's not going to be a pleasant conversation. It's not going to be terribly sequitur. And they're not even going to notice you very well. So their perceptions are going to be kind of locked around here. Whereas a person who had enough rest and who's living a kind of a nice life and they're happy and they've got a nice family, they're going to notice things. They're going to be looking out. They're going to make plans for the future. They're going to be just more perceptive, right? Right. Well, it makes sense that an actor who is more perceptive, is more sensitive, and can create a a broader range of characters, right? That person is sort of locked into worry and fear and antagonism is is not going to be able to really understand too well a broad range of characters. Does that make sense? Yeah, because maybe is it because they lack some of that empathy? I think so. I think so. They're not going to be able to take the viewpoint because that's what acting is, taking the viewpoint of another person. And, you know, like in an argument, when you're in an argument, sometimes you're like, I don't want to take that guy's viewpoint. He's wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas people having a conversation like you and I, I'm perfectly willing to take your viewpoint. You seem very willing and comfortable to take mine. And, you know, we can have a thing. But uh, if you're kind of an angry person or with a chip on your shoulder, you're kind of like, no, 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 I'm, you know, say whatever you want. I know what I'm talking about and I know I'm right. Well, that's not very empathetic. So maybe that's maybe that's it. Well, and and I find too that it seems these days, especially with with almost any topic that people can get heated about, it's like I'll listen to you until you say something I don't like, and then I'm going to start working on my rebuttal, 
and not hear you, but you're going to think I'm hearing you and that your point is coming across, but it isn't because I'm ignoring you and just and working setting up a huge trap for you. you are. Oh yeah. It's, it's, you know, that's what I love about people. I can actually have a conversation with without that worry. It's really nice and refreshing. So thank you for that. Uh, so before we go, uh, we talked about this a little bit last time on the show, but I want to make sure that we plug it again, because this is a great opportunity for people. Tell us a little bit about your course. Yeah, I was approached by a company to do a, a online course. Uh, it's a workshop, uh, consisting of a series of videos that I made here in my house and, uh, they're very well produced and they're about all the different, uh, things that I do and have done to have a, a career as a working actor. I've been an actor for 35 plus years. Can't believe it. Wow. All kinds of shows, all kinds of different uh, opportunities. And I've kept it going. You know, it's easy to get a job or two here and there, mm -hmm. but how do you keep it going? How do you build a career? How do you not have to, well, I was an actor for a while and now I work at Kinko's. You know, you, you want to be able to keep going and not quit and and keep it rolling in the in the right direction. And so I made these videos as like to share what I've learned very honestly. And uh, there's no pitch to it. I'm just trying to, this is what I did, you know, and I paid attention to what I was doing. I learned a lot from my mom, Marion Ross. Uh, I learned a lot just from trying different things and, and talking to other professionals. And along the way, I kept notes and I know what I did. So it's what I do now. It's uh, all the different techniques that I do to keep in the public eye to keep doing episodic TV shows and short films and live performances and animation and audiobooks and all the other stuff I do. So uh, it's, uh, you can find out about it. Also, it's got a money back guarantee. So, I mean, I've made it as easy as I can <laughs> for people to, to digest this content. And if you go to jimworkingactor.com, pretty easy to remember, uh, you can find out all about it. And I've got that link in the show notes for you guys too. make sure you click on it and go check it out. Uh, also tell your friends, because this is a, a fantastic opportunity. Uh, it looks really comprehensive too. And, uh, you know, take it <laughs> even just for fun. Cause I, I'm sure it's just a, a, an enjoyable time too, because you're just such a, a fun guy. And I think mm. a, a lot of the key to your success, quite honestly, is, is you, I mean, it's your personality. I, if I had an opportunity to work with you, uh, I would jump on it. I don't even care what the project is because you would just be fun to work with. Wow. That's really kind. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I, I've, I've had a lot of nice opportunities. I've had a lot of luck. I've had a lot of very friendly, creative people helping me along, starting with my mom and Ron Howard and dozens and dozens of other people that I could name. So, you know, if I can bestow and return any of that, <laughs> that stuff, then I, I'm very happy to. Well, I'm sorry that you've had to build your career on all these unknown names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Jim. Check it out, guys. November 21st. Welcome to Chippendales. Again, don't know which episode, where it's going to be, but look for Jim Eskimen as Phil Donahue. This is going to be very interesting. Jim, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, I, I do nothing but wish you continued success. You're a fantastic and talented guy, and you're the kind of people I like to see be successful. Thanks, Scott. You're a very gracious interviewer. I appreciate it every time we talk. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. We'll do this again. Yeah, I'm sure we will. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. You take care.